Welcome to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about our travels through Kentucky and our adventures to Mammoth Cave National Park, Woodford Reserve, and Old Forester Distillery, along with visiting the prestigious Churchill Downs track, the home of the Kentucky Derby. Welcome back to another episode of the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about bourbon, caves, horses, and just what to do in Kentucky. I always thought Kentucky was just about bluegrass, bourbon, <laughs> and... What else? What, yeah, else? what else? Well, I, <laughs> I always just thought of the rolling hills of Kentucky, and it was gorgeous. We were told by locals after we were saying how beautiful it is out. He's like, well, wait till the summer. So I guess it does get really hot in the summer. But the nice thing was, you know, we were there, you know, towards the middle end of May. And it was still very, very nice out. Yeah, it was absolutely gorgeous weather. Um, And kind of needless to say, we couldn't get out of Florida fast enough. From our Key West trip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we had an awesome time. Um, don't don't take that negatively at all. But it was just really warm, and it was very difficult with a dog. Um, you know, as and we, when Jake says, like, really warm, what he really means to say is so very hot. Like, it's just, you know, it's funny, um, you know, being from the Midwest, and, like, in the summer, if it gets to 100, you know, you're like, oh, God, it's so hot. Um, but I've never felt heat like that. And it felt way hotter than what it's ever been in the Midwest. Yeah. And it, it really kind of drains you too, as well. You know, just whether just being physically out there moving and trying to get something done. I, I mean, I don't understand how people can live in it, but, uh, to each their own, you know, and after talking with, uh, Amy's grandma, she actually lived in Miami back in the fifties, I believe. And she was talking about how they didn't have central air or AC in cars. And she was like, oh, I'd just melt. You know, you just couldn't go out there and do anything. You know, well, it'd be that warm. And then some other interesting facts she told us, because it's so humid, you know, in your home, like there's a lot of mold and mildew because it just doesn't really dry out. And then also the cockroaches. Like there's just, that's, it doesn't mean that your house isn't clean. It's just, there's cockroaches. That's just how it is. And I was just like, oh gosh, so gross. <laughs> We did not see any, luckily, when we were there, but... But, uh, yeah, no, so we we had a pretty good time in Florida. I think uh, from our Sam's Club run, we were sick of smoked sausages because oh. it was <laughs> it was literally too hot to cook anything, you know? So we're like, all right, let's just get stuff that doesn't need to be cooked or anything like that. And, yeah, we had, you know, 24 sausages in a 10-day span. So And, like, a big thing of spinach artichoke dip and we had like the big veggies that were there so like we had the same thing like pretty much every day when we were there unless we went to like a happy hour and got like a little treat yeah so when trying to be on a budget you know buying the economy size things isn't always the best i think it's just really kind of shopping the deals we kind of learned from that um you know buying things a little bit smaller you know we went to aldi's and kind of shopped some of their deals we're getting a couple fresh things that we just needed to to get us by on our, our next leg of our journey. Yeah, I feel like 
initially when you go to Aldi's or Walmart, you're like, oh, everything's going to be cheaper than the other stores. That is not true. You do actually have to know like what prices are for stuff because just because um, so for example, we just had, when we just went to all these, we got a thing of strawberries and it was one eighty seven for a pack. Well, if you shop strawberries, you know, that a deal is like two fifty a container. So I was like, one eighty seven, heck yeah. So of course we got strawberries and we got zucchini. We got like one avocado. It was still a dollar, but like, that's not a bad price for avocados. Normally they're a dollar to dollar 25. It was not on sale. Um, but we shop enough at Walmart and, um, Sam's club and, um, well, now all these that we kind of know what to shop for. But, um, you know, the challenges of on a budget, you know, Jake didn't, we're like, oh, no one wants to know about the struggles of being on a budget. But I think it's very important to like talk about the challenges it is while traveling and trying to like be economical. Um, you know, I've gotten some, so much, po- well, we both have gotten so much positive feedback about how we're trying to just like share, like, honestly, like what's happening with, in our lives of, the struggles, you know, of some of the things that we do with them. Yeah, we're traveling full time and we're enjoying it. But, you know, we're living on the savings that we, you know, took us two years to save up for. And so we don't want to just spend $100 here, $200 there and just, you know, you're, you'll run through that savings really quickly. And so like, as we're traveling, we decide, well, do you want, (laughs) do you want to have, you know, this or do you want to do this? You know, this is what we budgeted for like this trip can we make that happen? Okay. Well, if we go here, we can't do X, Y, and Z. And so that's, you know, now when like we went to Kentucky, we went to, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about all the stuff we did, but we went to downtown Louisville and went to this, um, the Guy Fieri smokehouse, which was delish. And we decided to share the nachos and we thought, Oh, we'll do like a progressive meal, you know, go to different restaurants and do everything. Well, the nachos were so huge. We were actually pretty full. But like it was a super affordable meal that we shared. And then I was like, oh gosh, you know, ice cream sounds delicious. Like let's get some ice cream. Well, then you look up how much ice cream is if you go to like one of their like specialty shops. And it's like, no, let's just go to the grocery store. So we went to Kroger's and what is on sale? So we ended up getting like this. um, Too much ice cream. Yeah, but it was $4, (laughs) you know, and then we just left because we don't have a freezer. We just ate until we were full and then we just left left it and threw it away but it was four dollars for two people versus at least ten if we would have gone out if not more yeah so really just kind of finding the deals that you want to do and be able to prioritize and even on like the clothes front um you know when we're kind of downsizing and really trying to put everything into our storage unit and with our new camper and the overall size of it we you just don't have the size you know you you need to have only a few select things that lasts a long time versus, mm-hmm. you know, getting more of the, the cheaper items. So even, you know, there's a big giant Duluth trading company, uh, there and, you know, such cute stuff. And we really thought it'd be awesome to be able to get just more quality goods that we're going to be utilizing versus, you know, kind of the throwaway society that we're in right now, um, to really kind of maximize it. But even, you know, we've been traveling full time since April and, you know, prior to that, it'd been probably three months worth of time of downsizing and selling things and getting rid of things. And it really does teach you 
that we don't really need as much as we have to live off of because the last two months we've lived off of very little because of course you know we we were all the way over in Georgia and we're like well we're all the way over here let's do some stuff on the east coast let's go visit you know Jake's brother in Alabama well let's go see some friends in Key West you know so we ended up maximizing our time while we were there before going back to South Dakota to get our other dog to get all of our stuff out of our storage unit and then get the stuff we need to you know, even just have a propane grill to like easily grill up some stuff if it's hot out. Like if we had that grill when we were QS, we could have grilled the sausages, but we didn't have it. So we just had stuff cold. And like, it's funny, um, because it's like, oh, it's, we're so excited that you're, you know, living your guys' dreams and doing these cool things. And, and we feel very blessed to be able to do these things. Um, but it's definitely, we're not, you know, independently wealthy that we're just doing everything we can. Like we opted, like when we were in Kentucky, we stayed near, um, Mammoth Caves National Park. And there's an other cave, it's called Diamond Caverns, that was by where we stayed at this campground. Well, it was like $20 to get in. And it was one little cave, even though it probably would have been really cool. Like, is it worth $40 for both of us to go into the cave? And we're like, no, let's go to Mammoth Cave National Park. We can get in the park for free. There's no fee. They allow dogs and then we'll get a really cool tour and then we can go explore the park and go hiking. So, and that only cost us, I think it was $18 per ticket, but that was it. There was no extra fees. And so for $36, you know, we ended up getting. Yeah, it was like a tour tour and, you know, we were able to hang out, learn a lot about, a lot about the caves. Um, but history just a, of the area. Yeah, and, a little history of the area, but to kind of a little backtrack, um, so once we left Florida, um, our last stop that we stayed at was Oscal. Oscal. I'm, I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> Oscalio Wildlife Refuge, I think is what it's called. Yeah. So this was one of the cool spots that we found on freecampsites.net. And it was just awesome location. It was an old forest road in the middle of a clear cut. And so like if you went off the, the path, I mean, it was super bumpy because it was a clear cut area but it was absolutely gorgeous had nice kind of fog in the morning uh to be able to kind of wake up to and it was really awesome little free spot to rest our heads and it was not in a walmart parking lot where you know you're gonna get bugged or harassed or anything like that well and jake had confirmed on their website that you can stay for free like it does not cost anything yeah so as so even just with the websites in general always try to reconfirm, um, you know, cause free campsites.net, it's kind of more of a, a blogish style campsite resource. Um, so I just went to the actual area on the Google maps, looked that up and was able to confirm it. Yeah. So even though Jake confirmed it, we were still like, are we sure we can stay here? Like this is cause you know, a lot of these places, you just, again, you don't, I don't, I guess I didn't realize just how easy it is to like stay somewhere for free if you have, you know, lodging, which would be like the trailer. And one of the reasons why we got a compact, you know, hiker trailer like we did is so we could do just this. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like the moon was really, it was really bright out and we had our, um, window was open a little bit cause we didn't have any, um, electricity. So we just had, in it wasn't, that hot out yeah shockingly. we just had our windows open and then the 12 volt fan kind of helped circulate that so we got some air movement while we we're sleeping yeah and then the moon was full and i woke up at like two or three in the morning 
And the moon was so, I thought someone was shining a flashlight in. I was like, oh my gosh. And like I woke Jake up and I'm like, oh, oh, no, it's just the moon. Like, but that's like, you know, cause you have, I guess I had in the back of my mind, well, maybe we really can't stay here even though like Jake checked and everything. So for the peace of mind of sleeping somewhere, you know, really, if you do your research ahead of time, it really does make a difference. So a little food for thought there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our next spot that we stopped at was a nice little uh, campground RV park um, that was right next to National Cave or Mammoth Cave National Park, um, which is a giant cave uh, park area. And that was one thing that I had no idea about Kentucky, that they had so many different caves um, around the area. So Mammoth uh, Cave was one of the largest in the world and the biggest caverns. Um, they have over 412 miles worth of caves that they have tracked, and they're still you know, discovering different areas all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting because... Uh you know, in the Black Hills, they have the Wind Caves, which is over by Custer State Park. And that was actually the last cave tour we did. And they have the biggest network of, I think it's called Boxwork Lattice, which is just how the minerals form in the cave. And it looks like almost like this lace design, but it's all out of minerals and it's stone or not stone, but you know, really hard. And then, you know, but this cave is um, the biggest in the world. Like it's the longest, even though it, like, I think it goes down seven, it's seven miles wide. And like the depth is, I don't remember how deep they said, but it's actually not like that huge. Like, it's not like it goes hundreds and hundreds of miles. It's just all these different networks of caves. And so it was really interesting to learn that, like Jake said, it was a two hour tour, but it was the historic tour. So they talked about kind of how it developed and how they found the caves and who contributed. Yeah. And this, the entrance that we went into was a natural entrance to where it's literally you're walking into this mouth of the cave and it's just a giant open entrance. And I can only imagine, you know, back in the day walking in there, discovering it for the first time and just seeing what they used to mine out of there for, you know, creating gunpowder. Um, and just the, the amount of bats that they have coming in and out of there. Um, one of the cool facts that they have, they in the area, there's 13 different types of bats, but within that cave, there's 10 different bats in that cave, um, you know, and they're killing about a thousand mosquitoes an hour. So next time you think uh, you absolutely hate bats, you know, <laughs> they're getting those little critters for you. Um, and really this, they do about 500,000 people that do cave tours. And they're literally at their max. I mean, it was a, a very well put together national park putting stuff together and just the sheer amount of volume of people that they put through these caves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm doing a blog article again about the history. I'm a big history buff. I love learning about uh, whenever I travel. And that's what my mom kind of instilled in me whenever we traveled anywhere. She loves history even more than I do. She would always be reading and learning and then she'd share it with us as we were all traveling together as a family. And so that's what I do now. And so I wanted to share that with you guys as well. So we'll um, talk about, um, we took some um, recordings of Mammoth Caves and the tour guide and we'll see if those turned out well. We'll get those posted within the blog article just to give you guys some extra information. And then I'll also share some as well about um, actually all the spots that we saw in Kentucky. And we'll actually try to do that going forward um, on the different blog posts. Um, just share more information. 
Yeah, so that, that was one of the cool things that we, uh, I, I really enjoyed is just kind of the cave tour. It was a different style of cave. Um, I'm claustrophobic, so I'm always ha- apprehensive of actually going into caves and whatnot. But this is a giant open area. There's a couple smaller areas that are within it, but definitely highly recommend Mammoth National Park Cave or whatever the, it's, the, yeah, the full Yeah, Mammoth world. Caves <laughs> National Park. And it's a, it's, um, I believe the city is a park city. Yeah. Um, so some of the other things that we did do, um, I'm a huge bourbon whiskey lover. Uh, so I had to go see some distilleries. The last one I went to was in Tennessee. Uh, I went to the Jack Daniels distillery. I was very young, but I still remember the distinct mash smell, you know, of going in the tour when I was really young. Uh, but we ended up going to Woodford Reserve. Um, which was an absolutely gorgeous campus for a uh, distillery and just kind of the setting, you know, you're driving through the rolling hills and uh, we later the learned... thoroughbred horse farms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we later learned that they're uh, thoroughbred horse farms and one of the reasons why Kentucky is very known for their thoroughbred horse farms but also bourbon is their water source. Um, it's all iron-free water, so it's really good for the bones and sulfate free. And, and sulfate free. And it's because it goes through the limestone and the limestone then takes out those impurities so the water doesn't smell and you don't have that iron. And it's really interesting to think about and, and 95% of the world's bourbon comes from Kentucky. So, just that that alone, you know, those type of stats, you know, you got horses and you got bourbon. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nothing much better. But be, to be able to learn about the Woodford Reserve and, you know, the deep history that bourbon really has played within the, the history of the U- United States. Well, uh, and then when Prohibition happened and how it really affected the industry. And we also had gone to Old Forester, which is in Louisville, and where Woodford Reserve is about an hour outside in Vercelles. I don't know how to pronounce it. But um, like for Old Forester, they got around Prohibition because the, oh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was uh, a, like a doctor and they were able to use it as medical, like for medical purposes. Yeah. So, the, and that's why they're the first bottled bourbon is because they need to be able to seal the bottle appropriately to where they're able to. Um, you know, prove that it hasn't been tampered with and they can use it for medical purposes. So that was one of the things about, you know, just learning about the bourbon and the mash building process and the different cooperages, um, you know, how they're building the the whiskey barrels themselves. You know, everything mm-hmm. has a little different part of how it's made and distilled. So And then, oh, and the differences between the Woodford Reserve and Old Forester is how they store their bourbon um, in these two different locations. Like the Woodford Reserve, when they um, store them in a wood, um, what was it, a wood warehouse. And just because a bourbon barrel was, you know, put in the barrel at the same time and it's the same batch as another barrel doesn't mean that the taste is going to be the same. It really depends on the placement of where the barrel is going to be in the warehouse and how much humidity or dryness and it's just it was very if you ever get a chance to do a bourbon distillery tour it is extremely interesting because it is so rich in history and then those barrels because the bourbon i don't remember what percentage they say it loses to the sides of the bourbon being absorbed it was like 
percent or 20 uh, probably more than that probably closer to 30 percent um but yeah th so th the that they barrels, can lose up to them yeah so it's in the sides and you can see the lines of the slats in the barrel of where the bourbon like absorbed into the barrel well they go sell those barrels to other industries that use it to say like oh it was finished in a bourbon barrel like yeah so from and, yeah from as amy was saying wines to scotches to um, beer um, you'll see a lot of those kind of going throughout on there um, and, and so definitely check them out there's probably about 14 15 different distilleries there i went to the couple that i i'm a giant fan of woodford reserve um, and then old forester they actually relocated back to their um, original location um, down whiskey row and that's in downtown louisville and, you know, walking in downtown Louisville, there's tons of little history blurbs from a spot where, you know, Evan Williams Distillery was. Um, you can go to the Beam Sanatorium um, Distillery where Jim Beam is distilled, Four Roses. Um, so there's literally whatever kind of bourbon you like, it's probably been distilled um, in that Kentucky area. Well, and then when we went... Um to both of those they have like a little booklet that you can actually do the bourbon trail and i went to scotland when i was in uh college for a study abroad and they had the whiskey trail and so then it reminded me of scotland i'm like oh that's so cool i didn't know we had that sort of thing here in the u.s so now jake and i've gone to two yeah yeah so it's <laughs> definitely highly recommended um the last thing that we really did in um in, in kentucky was the Churchill Downs, um, and that was the home of the Kentucky Derby. And that is one of the longest running sports in U.S. history is horse racing. It's been around since 1875 for 145 years. It is um, the longest sporting event in U.S. history, which I thought was super interesting um, because um, I didn't really know that it was the Derby that was the oldest. So. Yeah, so it's just a really awesome tour to go check out. Just super rich of history um, with the different, you know, there's two-story museum exhibit of everything that's going on from the Churchill Downs um, racetrack on there. And, you know, just learning about the racing season. I mean, I remember watching the first time I was watching all the three, the, the Triple Crown races, um, you know, the Belmont Stakes the Kentucky Derby and I'm drawing a blank on the last one, but seeing American Farrell win. And that was the last one that I actually saw it, but seeing, you know, the history of, you know, the fastest horse, you know, secretariat. Um, I think they made a movie about him mm -hmm. with, uh, Toby McGuire, um, as the actor, you know, for being the, the jockey, but, you know, just learning about secretariat, you know, his heart was 22 pounds, you know, three times, three times the size of the average, um, horse racing heart, you know, so just, yeah, they think it was the size of his heart that made him the fastest horse and why he died early. That's not scientifically proven, but they believe that that is probably the case. And one of the things, cause of course, after we did our tour, we're like, well, as we were driving, cause we still have like a seven hour drive. We're like, well, let's learn more about these facts that we learned at Churchill Downs. And they had said that, um, the secretariat was um, when he passed, normally horses that are, you know, big names, they have their heart, their head, and their hooves that are buried. 
while the Secretariat had this whole body. And so when they, the, um, I don't remember when, it, normally for a human it's an autopsy. I don't remember what they call it when it's a horse. but The, the horse version of it. <laughs> yeah, wanted to do um, the, you know, full, to really find out what was going on and why he died early and stuff. And they actually just didn't give him time because he was such a big name. Um, they just wanted to have that, that ceremony and stuff for when he passed away. Yeah, so it, it, it's... It's one of those things that you go into it, um, you kind of get the chills walking into the place, you know, the goosebumps raising up on your arms, just because you know the history around it. Um, I get the same way when I'm walking into Lambeau Field. I mean, I've been there probably 15 times, and every time I'm walking into a game, <laughs> I still get the same chills, just because I know the history behind it, and, the and just the meaning behind it. It's not, it's part of our current day history, and just the oh. culture, and the heritage that, you know, the U.S. is built on. Well, and they had a 360-degree video. It was like an 18-minute video of the history of the Kentucky Derby. And I actually ended up, like, being in tears about it because it was very powerful. It was a very powerful movie. And just to see, like, the importance of the Derby, like, in in our history and, like, what that means in the uh, the um accomplishments these horses have done and uh it was it was a very beautiful thing to be able to be there so i did add to my bucket list that i wanted to actually attend a kentucky derby uh some year and they of course are the first weekend in i think it's the first sunday in may every yeah. year so um definitely an awesome experience to be able to go to i mean we probably spent close to four hours just kind of walking around <laughs> yeah. you know well, and then, and then it was really interesting because there was so much controversy this year. And one of the guys um, that was there, because there was maybe 20, 25 people on the tour. It was just like a half hour tour. You got to go like go near the track and you get to like see. The you can't touch the track, the though. No, no. It's <laughs> a very expensive track to maintain. So they don't allow you to go on there. But um, one of these guys was like asking about what happened with Country House. And who, I don't, what was the other? Magnificent or... I don't remember the other. Maximum security. Maximum security with those two horses. And the tour guide was like, oh, legally, and I'm not allowed to say, except that, you know, country horse won. And then, you know, and the other guy was giving him a hard time about it. And he's like, you know, I can't say anything. Well, of course, I was like, I'm going to ask more questions. And so we're walking back and I said, okay, well, what does it mean when, like, it, like, was, it was never overturned? Like, what do you mean? Because, of course, I don't. I don't know a lot about horses and the history of that and the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, I didn't know a lot about this. One of the reasons why we wanted to go and see Churchill Downs is to learn the history. So he was nice enough to explain more of like what it meant. And he did share what like his opinion was. Um, but he just said, you know, legally, like I can't say anything, but he's like, but what I think. And I think it's just because we it was just us around. He felt comfortable saying that. And so then we Googled like what really happened. And then we also watched the film at the um at the museum and essentially um it was the first time in history that the horse that finished um, across the line first was disqualified and he something with how he cut a different horse off is essentially um you know why he was disqualified and then country house was the official winner but that was the first time in 145 years that the you know the calling was overruled yeah so i mean it just the overall history there super awesome very affordable um you can get other tour packages and stuff like that but honestly just the basic one you know we're kind of novice to the 
the horse racing game and everything like that. So it was all just an eye-opening thing, you know, from when you're approaching the Churchill Downs to seeing the the iconic, you know, towers, you know, coming from the background. That are original. That are original, that have been there since 1875. You know, they've put some new shingles on, and that's about it. And then the bronze statue that I don't know what the... Barrito, Barros. Okay, obviously we don't know the names of the horse, but... The bronze statue that's out front of the museum is super cool. It was just very... Just very iconic and just the symbolism of everything. It it was super cool. And this was all in central Kentucky. Um, No, north central. North central Kentucky. Right on the border of Indiana and Kentucky. We actually thought we were in the central part. And and then I looked it up on the map and I was like, I had no idea that's where we were. So, So... so it's super close, convenient to everything to be able to get anywhere. I mean, within an hour and a half, you can do tons of different stuff. So if you have a long weekend, even a short weekend, you can be able to kind of tool around the area mm-hmm. and really kind of explore and do your do your own thing. And for our one of our nights, we did stay in downtown Louisville um, to where we were able to park the trailer, take a lift into downtown. We to did kind an of go, Airbnb. Yeah. Which was an interesting experience because we, we've done tons of Airbnbs before in the past and we've had an awesome times and, you know, experiences with them, you know, and we're usually renting it out for doing a ski trip or something like that. But this, the owner was actually there. Um, and, so we essentially rented a room. Yeah. And there wasn't a separate entrance. So it was a little awkward because they had animals too. So, And she was nice. It's not like she wasn't nice or accommodating it was she was everything was very clean and it was quiet it was just more the point of we felt that we couldn't go out of our room because we didn't want to like intrude on her time because it was a a sunday night no monday Monday. it was monday night monday night (laughs) which she works so we were just trying to be quiet and you know so it was um i don't know that we'd probably do that sort of airbnb again but you know the price was right so and and we were downtown pretty much (laughs) pretty close to downtown louisville so it was pretty pretty key for that we're able to kind of check around and kind of walk around the uh the music street and fourth street live is what they call it um and kind of learned that you know pretty much the weekends is the only time that that is up and booming and we did stop at the fudgery and we went with tradition and got a free sample of the fudge and it was kid you not the best fudge i've ever had at a fudge shop um, but I have to say for anyone who's listening that owns a fudge shop or a candy shop, you should have quantities that are like an eighth of a pound, a quarter of a pound. I don't know why they always sell it in a full pound. Who wants to eat a pound of fudge before it goes hard? So anyway, we didn't buy any fudge, got a sample and I was disappointed because I probably would have gotten a little bit if it was like a normal quantity. And fudge goes really well with bourbon if you're wondering or just dark chocolate in general. Yeah. Um, but that, that kind of summarizes our, uh, North central Kentucky trip excursion, excursion. had an awesome time, highly recommend it. Very gorgeous area. Um, we went in, you know, late May, so perfect weekend, uh, or perfect timing to go for the weather wise. I think in August it might be a little toasty, but other than that, definitely go check it out. Um, we're going to be making our way up to see my parents in, uh, Southern Wisconsin this Memorial Day weekend and kind of collect some of our food from our, 
our trailer and I think we're from our through hike to put it in our trailer, but also get our uh, back of our uh, tailgate on our trailer. Put some unnamed adventures logo decals put on there. Yeah, as we were driving, someone like pulled up aside and was like, gave me a thumbs up and like was pointing at the trailer and it didn't even have anything on it yet. So it's like, that was really cool. That hiker trailers are that, um, they stand out so much. And then now having the logos on the side and the back, um, I think it'll make it stand out even more. So um, we'll see how that goes on our drive. And then after we um, see Jake's family, we're going to go back to South Dakota and get little Pippin Pop, which is our other dog, and see my parents and then head on to Vancouver, British Columbia. All right, guys. We'll see you guys later. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our never-ending story of the transformation of our previous traditional lifestyle into one where we travel the countryside, remain debt-free, and live out our dreams. If you'd like to write us a review, you can on however you listen to podcasts.